ready for countdown. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The beginning of a new and unbelievable adventure. You will actually see it happen. The search for a secret paradise where a strange race of moon dolls rule supreme. Into a truly different adventure. See man's secret dreams come true in Nude on the Moon. Chris Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. Boy, you know what I could go for? A good hard sci-fi movie, Asimov style. Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. Is this idiocy? In Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to this? Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Virginia, summon the subject! So this, I know this thing looks like just a plastic flower on a wire, but it's actually a very powerful artifact. Okay. Watch me, watch me turn, watch me make him go to sleep, Virginia. That's bullshit. I know, I know, I better wake him up, because we would have an episode then. There. That's bullshit. Okay. It's bullshit, but at least, aren't you glad I didn't make you show up in the nude? 
I am. Uh, although I, 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 I think it's a nice touch that we have to talk to each other through these microphones, these these <laughs> handset microphones, even though we're si sitting right next to each other. And you're That's also a... going to be moving this this large rock counterclockwise throughout the episode. Hmm. I I like I, I like that. It, it reminds me of uh, one one of my favorite movies, Conan the Barbarian. See, when I think of moving things throughout a room, uh, I think of the uh, psychological nut in Exorcist to the Heretic. Ooh. As do we but, all. Um, as does everybody. As do we all. <laughs> but we're not talking about Exorcist to the Heretic. We're not talking about um, Conan the Barbarian. We are um, actually talking about another fairly interesting outsider um, figure. Because if there's one thing that the Grindhouse is known for, it's for giving outsider voices a place to be heard. And we haven't done an outsider cinema film since uh, Dolomite, actually, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I figured it was time, especially since we needed to cheer up. It was time to bring in a Doris Wishman film. I'm no stranger to Do uh, Doris Wishman. We actually covered her in Eat It and Beat It, but we did not cover. We did not watch this movie. We watched a spy, a spy, a spy quote unquote thriller. <laughs> That she did yeah. that was the slowest paced spy, quote unquote, thriller quote, that thr I'd ever seen. <laughs> All of her films are basically quote unquote something. Yes. To be honest. Uh, because film. they are slow. There's, I and mean, this film. They're slow is, and they're short. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing I'm about to say. This film that we're about to talk about, Nude on the Moon, perhaps maybe her most famous film, would you say? Yeah, and probably her most, from what I've seen of her other films, her prior most. Now, it, 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 I was noticing in the credit that it had a different, like a man's director name, but she was the producer. Yeah. But that made me, th mm -hmm. but I think she did a lot of movies under, you know, a different name as director, right? So she probably yes, did direct yes. this. It was just well, under this the... is a nudie cutie film. This is you, you we're still in some... the early sixth. You needed some like Chad Manley director for it, you know, to yeah. to make it appeal to the 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 playboy playboy types that I guess would go see this. <laughs> you know, like same people who read Playboy. This is basically this is the thing that people went to the theaters to watch before hardcore porn became quote-unquote mainstream in the late 60s early 70s right accessible and it was it was the only thing was, accessible and it, it was a it was a sub genre of film the nudie cutie based on a loophole where if you shot your film in a nudist colony, you could claim it was educational, which has been a long-standing 
way of getting around the haze code throughout the uh, 20th century before the haze code was abolished in favor of the MPAA. Mm-hmm. And it was used like for magazines, like magazines with pictures yeah. of nude people would be documentary magazines about yeah. the nudist lifestyle. And um, a lot of outsider uh, directors, a number of them, had careers in the nudie cutie and its less reputable cousin, the Ruffy. Ruff, um, Ruff. Ruff, no, the, the Ruffy was like the obverse of the nudie cutie in that there was a lot, there was a lot of nudity, but there was a lot of violence and a lot of sadism. And it was very misogynistic. Whereas these are kind of like, oh, they're kind of quaint now. Um, oh, they're like, if if they, I, I mean, and I say this as a 53-year-old man, and speaking mm-hmm. in the context of my, my life, that, that if this movie is, is like really like, pushing your erotic buttons you're probably 10 to 12 years old and it's like what yeah it like it existed at its time as a piece of erotica and now it's like Mm -hmm. the 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 at that point just the clinical presentation of boobs was enough to have people go like hot dog this is this is this is a man's life fellas let's you know toast to to nude on the moon but yeah, you know, nowadays, was, it, nowadays it just plays on YouTube, and like nobody's nobody's going to worry about their little kids seeing nude on the moon and being no, traumatized no, or turning into a sexual no. deviant or anything. It's mm. so they're never going to even get through it. They'll be bored. They'll never make it past the first ten minutes of this movie. <laughs> They'll never get to their yeah, first well, because the, the first twenty minutes where they're. Hey, I've got money. Let's go to the moon. I don't know if I should go to the moon. You're too old to go to the moon, but you're too young. And they have this great, great conversation of like, you know, whether they should tell NASA about their moon. They and the what the older scientist goes. It's better to leave qu- quietly in a rocket. Yes. In, a rocket. in a rocket. That's yes. how you leave quietly in your rocket. That we never it really get to see, except for the if stock. There were... Yeah, I love how they it... and they stand and they describe how incredible the rocket is as they look up, like yeah. at, at the trees to an off-screen mm. rocket, and then they climb a ladder. You, you never even see like a a, a side the side of the, the rocket, shot. yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a five-foot mm-hmm. chunk of the rocket. Nothing, <laughs> not until they get to the stock footage. Which takes yeah. off in a place that completely looks like different film stock in a different geographical location, and then lands on a a, a very like dusty, moon, you know, standard moon. But when they come out, it's it's Florida, <laughs> it's Miami area type terrain. It reminded me of well, of course, it was shot in. Um... And I know that you want to talk about this quite a lot. A uh, 
place called Coral Castle in Homestead, Florida. Which is um, not a nudist which... colony. Mm-hmm. Oddly it, enough for this it, kind of movie. It's like an art installation of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, it kinda it's a tour it's a tourist trap now, but like at, at the time it was it was built by this um I don't want to say crazy because he he definitely wasn't crazy. Um, he was quirky, and uh, he was he was uh, a Latvian immigrant, and he settled out. He built he built this thing once, and then he didn't like where it was. It was there was there they were going to be building developing the area around him and he didn't want to be anywhere near anybody else so he he physically moved the whole thing <laughs> took him three years mm. like 15 miles to to homestead or uh, and uh and it's this big as you see in the movie it's this sort of castle with all sorts of pools it's it's got a tur a turning rock door that weighs like 18 tons and uh, could be could be turned by like a little kid. It was so well balanced mm -hmm. and stuff. And he built the whole thing all by himself at night with nobody else there for the most part. Some people had seen him at work. And uh, mm -hmm. it's always been a big mystery is how he built this thing with, you know, 10, 15 t ton pieces of limestone stacked on each other and, you know, mm -hmm. and he had a little office in there that he lived in and uh, and it's so there. of course there's been a lot of not supernatural but that he was a sort of there's always been the conspiracies he was sort of a Tesla type character who knew the secrets mm -hmm. of magnetism and could float rocks and, and stuff and I, I, I had a roommate who was, uh, you would have liked him. He was a little evil. He was a little like evil supervillain in the making, and he was convinced uh -huh. that this guy had had found the secrets of magnetism and stuff. And if you go onto YouTube, you can find all these people who've solved how he how he did it. You know, and they have the mm -hmm. spinning magnets and these and these things, and they'll explain it. And you know. Uh, engine, you know, it, well, this uh, torsion radio, as everybody knows, a torsion ratio of blah 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 would do this and that, and it's like, okay, well, I guess I have to take your word for it. And but then you'll also find a good amount of people who have found, you know, movie footage. There's there's a few movie footage of him, you know, sort of doing his thing where you see things in the background and who figured it out physically how he did you know is, oh you know he would mm -hmm. saw, saw through the rock with this thing on a machine and it would saw down and then you know using so and and he would always say i've learned you know i have learned methods of of moving things you know that i use to you know so basically you know using basic prim principles of leverage he would build these little little um uh, well, well, turning into big um, tripods, and then he would mm -hmm. cha chain the rock. He would, he would. My, he had a method of sawing the 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 rock and limestone saws very easily. He would have these motors that would run mm -hmm. saws, and he would cut it, cut them out, run a chain around them, and then he could winch up pieces of rock and slowly move them into place. 
and drop them into place. And it, 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 it was very labor intensive and took him years to do it, but it's completely doable. There's people who like have been doing it to demonstrate how he did it, you know, and perfectly, you know, I mean, you could do mm-hmm. you could do it all by hand if, but he had winches and some electricity and stuff and, right. and, and rigged it all up. But uh, I, I mean, it's, it's a, a amazing place and, and, making you know i mean just having that as a background mm-hmm. in, insanely improves this movie makes it cuz otherwise you know how this would have been filmed it would have been filmed in an apartment complex in the backyard and in the in yeah. the kitchen and stuff so mm-hmm. so it, it provides a background and there's stuff to do you can put the ladies on the rocks and have slave men um, running the rocks in circles and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, yeah, it's it, it, it almost serves. This was filmed ten years after he died because I don't think he would have gone for this in <laughs> in regular life. I think he took it his place too seriously to do nudes on the moon there, but I don't think his yeah. I don't think his descendants who <laughs> inherited the place did, and uh, uh, but. You know, for I I I had this roommate for many years, and I had to listen to many stories about it. So, watch, looking at it mm-hmm. all there, and uh, there's an amazing point in the movie where I'd watched a movie about um, you know how he did this stuff, and they said he had. You can see this picture of one of his wheelbarrows here, and it's sort of like a. It's not really a wheelbarrow. It's halfway between a hand truck and a wheelbarrow. And he would use that to move the edges of the tripod, you know, from side to side. And he could sort of, you know, pull him around with that. Mm-hmm. And one of the slave guys in the movie goes rolling by with one of those little wheelbarrow tools. And I'm like, look at that. He just picked it up off the You know, they picked it up and said, wheel that thing by. That looks cool. And uh, It's, uh, I mean, it is literally a wisp of a movie. In that it's 20 minutes of these two guys talking, then they get on a rocket, then they see some some naked people. Well, not quite naked. They're all wearing that kind of those kind, except for that one girl. Most everybody is just wearing these like really tight little speedo like things. Yes. Except for the one girl who is wearing what looks like a diaper. The redhead. Yeah, very straight. There's a couple of the girls who look like they're uh, 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 like most of the girls are game for it. There's a couple of the girls that look like they're just not, you know, they're not having a good time. They're, they they look a little pissed and annoyed. That might have been. Oh, there's that. What there's this one woman in the back. Uh, when the queen of the moon first addresses her courtier. Yes, I know exactly what you're the talking right about. Right hand side. She's at the right-hand side. There's like five of them, kind of, in a, like a star shape. And the one at the right looks like she's going, can, can, can I go home now? Yeah, she's shaking. She looks like she's genuinely embarrassed. She's shaking her head back and forth, too. And and I thought that, yeah. and I saw that when she started shaking her head back and forth, I realized mm-hmm. this might be, she might be like, they, she just totally looked like she was like, okay, you know, I'm going to do it because I'm here, but I'm not going to like it. And the shaking her head mm-hmm. back and forth, I was like, oh my God, this is an attempt 
at some sort of story slash conflict in it, you know, because because that's yeah. how you would normally do this. The Queen of the Moon says, "I think they're, I think the two Earth men we captured are are nice and they're kind of hunky. We should let them just go about." And their I want to touch one of them, right? And the and one of yeah. one of the other girls is like, "No, they are evil," and and like factions would form and there would be. And there would be romantic entanglements and, and Three's mm-hmm. Company type and jealousy and all that. No, it's not in there. It, it, it looks like they maybe thought of maybe putting it in there, but it's Doris Wishman. So it's right. It's just sort of it, it just sort of move, just move along, <laughs> move along. And I'm yeah. and, and then and, and, you know, she wrote the dialogue because. It has none of the smirking innuendo that it really should have in yeah. any movie like this. Well, Everything you... should be like a reference to how hot the, you know, yeah. how, how hot it is here or whatever. You know, just the, that even even in a nudie cutie, it would still be a little bit. And and there's none of that. It's just dry. <laughs> Did your you saw the, the copy that was on YouTube? Yes. I watched a digital copy that I obtained. Did your copy include the loop at the end after the film was over of the strip of the striptease that this one woman has who travels to a far another another planet? No. That must have been some because bonus footage from the like... Yeah. That was fascinating because it describes exactly what you're saying is that the narrator who's talking over the striptease is making all these snide sexist mm-hmm. innuendo remarks. And Whereas this is just it's it's just kind of quaint. Yeah, I mean you have the the, <laughs> oh, the older the older rocket scientist guy who looks like some weird combination of Walt Disney with metal hair and Hugh Hefner and Bob Dobbs <laughs> from the Church of the Subgenius. And yeah. Je- and Jeff, <laughs> and and I mean it's just stare it's, it, it's just like you can almost see like. There, you know, there were definitely photo spreads of, you know, and this one, this this month's movie in in, you know, Stag Hunter magazine is, right. is nude on the moon, and you know, in this scene we mm-hmm. see the gorgeous moon maidens, you know, showing yeah. off their bounteous, well, their bounteous kind of... crop of moon food, yeah. you know, and stuff like that, and and yeah, the movie is just like nah, there's just boobs in here, so. There's and and you know the the lead guy sort of has like oh I'm in love with the Moon Queen and the Moon Queen likes me, but it has the the sexual fire of like yeah you know just two crushed coffee cups in the subway or something yeah. it's just it's just like they just sort of stand and look at each other because it's all post. You could tell they're like, you know, we could right. save a little effort on this by just having the moon people speak. Which is um, why I think psychically. during the <laughs> during the uh, capsule, they're always putting the walkie-talk, the, the, the communication yeah. pieces yeah, no, up in front of their faces. It's a, it's a totally to solving a mechanical problem by we don't have yeah. to sync up their, their dialogue. 
Yeah. Which would have been fine if it wasn't for the fact that they're literally sitting next to each other. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, A, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's just hilarious because it starts and you're like, is this happening? This is happening. Oh, my God. Yes. This is like when you if you read like a fake description of a bad movie, this is the thing that would happen. And it keeps going. And you're like, oh, my God, they they made this movie and they never thought <coughs> thought of that. <coughs> but that's not true. It's not that they didn't think of it. It's that they didn't care. And they, they really wanted to make Doris Wishman was like, I know I'm going to be editing this goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this garbage. I hate doing this shit. And, <laughs> you know, I, 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 want my, I want my paycheck, you know. And, like, whenever they would have interviews with her, people were like, Doris Wishman, we finally see you. And she's like, what is wrong with you, you know? I, you know, I just <laughs> did the minimal work. But, like, but I get it. It's, I get it. It's it that in itself, that approach to it, you know. Like seeing this, like, like I don't even know what Doris Wishman looks like, but I just picture, like, oh, I've seen her. This, I've seen pictures of her. Like yeah. I picture her in, in like the 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 Doris Wishman that would get interviewed by somebody in the '90s or the 2000s for for their fanzine mm-hmm. as being like this just grizzled old lady with a cigarette, like in her apartment with a couple cats and like living fairly um... comfortably and just being like. Ah, god damn it! Yeah, okay. Yeah, you interested in the dark movie? hair, so... sun gla- dark hair, sunglasses, the the hair done in a. In fact, she's in this movie. By the way, lady in the parking lot. In the first act, where um. Oh yeah, the the the. Yes, the the, the other girl. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the girl that's Doris Wishman. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just picture her as an um, old lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, everybody else was. You got the impression that these were basically strippers from a local strip club, mm-hmm. except for Marietta, because Marietta played the double role of Kathy, the secretary. And the Moon Queen. Oh, the the linchpin of the story, the 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 yeah, the Avatar of Fate. The 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 woman the woman fated to 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 finally hook up with the dumbest man on earth, Jeff. Jeff, yeah, no, but the thing is, the second they have that convert, the professor. Has that conversation with uh, Marietta, with with Kathy, the secretary. I was like, okay, I figured it out. I know exactly where this movie is going, which it did. It went exactly where I thought it was. And I kind of expected it to be basically an excuse for 45 minutes of... Nudity, nudity footage, which it was. Mm-hmm. Although there were some scenes that I was like, "Why are you including the kid, the two kids?" Yes, that was that was. I mean, I thought I, when I saw that, I, the only thing I could think of was maybe to, and and this is so counterintuitive, 
but just like mm-hmm. maybe to make it seem more um, family, family, like a like a family oriented, mm-hmm. like you know, that's what that's that was the approach for nudist camps. Is like we aren't a bunch of like swinging horn dogs at the nudist colony. We are yeah. we're, we're, we're people that just like to be nude, like Benjamin Franklin, who was not a sex freak at all. He was just like right. this, the feel of his naked body and you know or, what, or whatever you know it's a fan and it's not a, you know so this is why it's just normal and i i mean i agree to that to that some point but you know it was always used to, to hide the fact that they're selling mm-hmm. the magazines to horn dogs but uh right i think i think they because th- i was just like what you know if you're making this movie you know, this is a, a, it's a movie the kids can't watch, you know, and it's, yeah, it, it, I was like, is this, this is just sort of, is it asking for trouble or is it actually like keeping them out of trouble? Like, it, mm-hmm. it, that's all I could, all I could figure out of it. Or or they were like thinking about it and they were like, well, I guess we got to show that the Earth, the Mars people have, you know, because usually on this movie, like moon people, to, remember it's or, nude or, on the moon, nude on the bars. On moon, moon, the these moon people, usually when when you're gonna land on a, a planet of naked moon people, or I, I'll say mm-hmm. topless moon people, because everybody's yeah, topless. Yeah. Usually it's an all it's 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 an Amazon type society. It's right. It's it's, it's a matriarchy. And that's where the friction of the story comes in, because you have your two astronauts come in, and oh my God, it's just you're throwing. Fl- yeah. But this one, no, they got they got guys, topless guys too, around in their speedos and 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 babies. So it's just so that you know the the, mm-hmm. the Earthmen aren't a huge novelty. As a matter of fact, they're really wimpy look compared to the the muscle men, you know. Uh, who who you think are going to be slave guys just because you're used to the Amazonian thing, but now they're just, me- you know, everybody's just members of the moon community. Every everybody in yeah everybody in a Doris Wishman movie is mentally challenged in some way, <laughs> you know. So the Moon Society is not the brightest society in the world. So I was like, oh, maybe this is one of those ones where all the women are smart and all the guys are just himbos or something. But no, everybody right. in this movie is just dumb as a rock. They're children. Yes, that's what they are. Yes, they are. They are us as children. Like when I live, when I when I grew up, I was out in the country, and that's mm-hmm. this is what we would do. We'd walk through a field. Like there'd be three or four of us walking through the field, and one of us would be like, you know, what does your tricorder say? It's Right up here, there'd be an old rusted yeah. out, out car, and was like, we're like, here's what's left of their ship, you know. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. it, and and I gotta say, our ship made way more sense, and and um, I think this one wins the award. The last one won the award, won the award for skeeviest, <laughs> skeeviest movie of of all mm-hmm. of the skeevy movies we watched. This one gets the award, I think, for having the least story yet. Oh, oh, yeah, it's to the moon and all that. It had so much like, I mean, uh, 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 I've never seen. There's another movie film that um, Coral Castle called uh, Wild Women of Wongo. And I've never seen that. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that. I have not seen it, but I'm familiar with it. But I have seen Abbott and Costello go to Mars. 
and I, I was about to bring that up. And I'm thinking to myself, this had all the potential of Abbott and Costello went to Mars because oh, we we've re- neglected to mention they 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 get they get their spaceship up, you know, despite having to talk to mm-hmm. each other through their microphones, and then they both just promptly like get tired and fall asleep, and then the and then yep. the rocket yep. just lands on the moon or what they assume is the moon. But they had all the opportunity for they fell asleep and then it landed back in Miami and at near the yeah. castle at a nudist colony. Bingo, bango. There's mm-hmm. your story. We think we're on the moon. It's a nudist colony. They just go along with it because they're like, whatever, guys. It's, oh, they came as space or, or they think they're spacemen or something and they think they're, they're moon mm-hmm. women and all sorts of story like that. Hilarity ensues. Boobs ensue. Nope, no, 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 no. But but the, the thing that that is odd is that the the moon people are so childlike. I mean, there's that whole sequence where they're making fun of the professor's mustache. And by the way, those those uh, astronaut outfits, mm. ooh, doggy. That what that was emba- I would be embarrassed with that that big sub flash Gordon. They, there was a little flash Gordon yeah. flair to him, but mm-hmm. there's the there's the uh, and and they could have just side swiped the whole thing by not even bringing up how cold it is in space and or how cold right. it gets on the moon. But no, they had to bring that up. But they just, they got exposed arms and <laughs> they're just, they sort of have a little tube near their mouth. <laughs> you know what else they bring up that was dropped almost immediately? Hey, look, there's gold everywhere here and it's very pure. Mm-hmm. And hey, Jeff, we should take some back. Nah, Professor. That we don't have enough, we don't have enough weight. You know, it would be too heavy. Hell no! I'm gathering up some gold. And oh, if I was Jeff, we never hear about that again. If I was Jeff, we never hear. Yeah, no, no, no. That was the professor. I know. The professor was all excited about the gold. Yeah, and then Jeff was like, "Poo poo! No, no." If Jeff was smart, which he isn't, because he's in a Doris Wishman movie. What Jeff, yes. what Jeff would have done has been like, look, Professor, this is what we'll do. You can take my weight in gold back. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with... Yeah, Because yeah. they're like, you can't hang out with the... Like, they never... If if all of a sudden there's vegetation and stuff, they should have maybe tested the atmosphere, because I'll bet you, since it's a Doris Wishman movie, they could have... It would have just been Earth atmosphere anyway, because they were, they were in Miami. So, yeah. So I would have just been like, hey, baby... And he did sort of half-ass say, I'm staying, but that was just this dumb, just dumb conversation. But the, the, mm-hmm. listen, take my weight in gold back. That'll fund your next mission back to come get some more gold and mm-hmm. uh, and, and and come back with a spaceship that can carry more weight in it. And then I'll go back on the second mission with some, some more gold and we'll get a better spaceship and we'll come back and we'll get all the gold. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep this. Okay, here's something weird. I'm, I'm looking at the IMDb page right now. And then you go, then you go, and listen, man, 
then I'm gonna get then then you get your when you have your Earth girlfriend and your Moon Queen girlfriend, then you get the two of them together. Oh jeez, little space three way, yeah. And 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 you know you know Moon Moon Lady and her are gonna go for it because they're like identical, they're identical to each other, which will which will trigger their narcissism. See, like. They didn't okay, even have a real so horn dog in to, brainstorming. If you want to contribute to the GoFundMe for Chris Honeywell's Nude on the Moon 2, follow the link below. Nude no, on the Moon 2, neuter. <laughs> but I was about to say, is that I have the IMDb page up right now, right? And you know how they have like the little line of photos? Among the photos is a photo from that little piece that was tacked onto the end of my digital file uh. of the space the space woman striptease. I'll have to go look that up. Which is weird. Up. Yeah, I'll have to go look that up. That might have that might have been a bridge too far for YouTube or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't see how it could be. Very, it's, no, it's it's not a bridge too far. It's yeah. actually quite embarrassing. Um, but it's just the movie stops, the end. Then we see the trailer for Nude on the Moon. And then we see this little piece, which sounds like it's from another movie because they make reference to... Just as in the past, with the cavemen, the woman knows that, th that nobody can resist a female form, or some such nonsense. Um, so, kind of Ed Wood this, style. This, yeah, yeah, it's it's very Ed Wood's. It's called filling in. Filling in. You got to have something being said when you're when you have a film that you yeah. totally filmed silently. <laughs> Yeah. And it also seems like it's it was made later in in the the sixties. It was definitely a sixties product, but it seems much more closer to the later half of the of the decade. Yeah. But um there is a original song in this film. Oh, it's swanky too. Which is unremarkable, pretty much. Called Moondal. What is interesting, and this is this is basically my tangent for the for the episode. It was sung by a gentleman named. Let me get his name correctly. Ralph Young. Now Ralph Young was a Belgian singer-songwriter who, shortly after singing Moondal would go on to meet his long what would be his longtime partner. Oh my Sadler, god. Oh my god. And they would have a very long career. Oh my god. As Sadler and Young. And my mom loved Sadler and Young. Oh, so dear I got god. to hear all of their catalog oh, as my little god. Tom. I've I, I have also dipped into this I actually have dipped into Sadler and Young. It was as a joke and then yeah, grown to appreciate Sandler and Young for what they are, but all because I had a friend who worked in a record store, and we had this videotape that this girl 
made for us that was all just old SCTV skits. And there is a, yeah. it's Eugene Levy and and um, oh, what the hell, Martin Short as Sandler and Young. And there's several yeah. skits of them as Sandler and Young. And oh God, they're funny. Oh, they're they they capture like the the just sort of sleepy <laughs> essence of. Oh my God, why didn't I? Like, I mean, his name is so generic, like lounge singer name in there that I yeah. never, that I, I should have just imme- immediately, like the name Sandler should have just sprung into my head. Oh my God. Yes. That enhances my enjoyment of this quite a bit. There is still a song from one of their albums that is stuck in my head to this day called, uh, pretty things coming to oh no and no i'm not gonna sing it i am not gonna sing it um but yeah no i was kind of surprised and supposedly according to wishman um the film score was orchestrated by doc severinson okay so there might have been like there might have been like you know some well, Dor- Doris Wishman was not an unattractive lady. You know, she might have been circulating and mm-hmm. said, like, hey, you know, if you ever want to do a song for one of my movies, i uh, love to. Yeah. And, you know, someone said, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, uh, God bless her. She yeah. made, she never stopped making movies, even until up until her death. Think uh, of she, all, think about all the filmmakers who've made better movies than Doris Wishman mm-hmm. that you'll never know their name. And I'm not saying that like it's it's such a shame because they were probably really bad movies. But mm-hmm. somehow thirty one some, films something she's about, done. Yeah, you were some, Yeah, and, and something something about her movies are there's there's a personality to the bad because just being bad isn't good enough there's a there's a personality to it but it's it's in in a it's it's in like an early prototype of the appeal of like the room of a tommy was so mm-hmm. joint you know that uh, of just like incompetence mixed with earnestness mixed with indifference <laughs> yeah like an odd indifference but at the same time like the fact that anybody can get a movie done in on any level of filmmaking is always a miracle, and she did it thirty one mm-hmm. times. It's uh, yeah, yeah. She's gone down in history. <laughs> um, I would not claim that any of her films are good. No. But they are competent and they are watchable and they do what they say on the tin. And uh, she was one of the pioneers in terms of being a female filmmaker. You know, uh, competence is like arguable. They're arguably competent because it's um, but at the same time now I'm going to get I'm getting pretentious, but it's it is almost right. like a, a willful incompetence that she has, you know. <laughs> she she wants to be she's a stubborn incompetence. 
<laughs> yes, yes. So, um, but I have to have absolute respect for somebody like this. We've talked that we talked about that back with uh, Rudy Ray Moore. Mm-hmm. Rudy Ray Moore wanted to make films, wanted to make films for his friends and for people like his friends. So he did. And and you know, I Doris gotta say, Witch- he was. He was more talented than Doris Wish- Wishman, but his movies sort of exploded too. So, yeah, it, it's it, Doris Wishman wanted to make movies, and if the way she make could make movies was to do nudie cuties and later roughies and later full on porn, that's how she was going to do it. Yes. Yeah. And you cannot sneak. You cannot sneeze at that you have to respect that i think god listen to me you want to talk about being pretentious um <laughs> but it's it's a it's a fluff it it, it is is a piece of fluff it is a, is a tissue paper yes this film and that really colorful it t- is, gift wrapping tissue paper yeah, but um, a lot less colorful will be our next stop on our tour of outsider cinema because it's going to be a black and white film from about the same time, from the 60s, um, where we're going to visit somebody who I've actually talked about on this show once or twice in admiration. I yeah. guess you'd say. And by the way, I think that the the film that you watched with uh, with uh, Dario over on um, Eat It and Beat It was uh, Double Agent seventy three. Yes, it was with Chesty Morgan. It was indeed. So, um, but yeah, and this is available on YouTube people so it will cost you nothing to watch it it's also available has um on the internet archives for to download for free so there's there's no harm in taking a look at it as long as uh, you realize it's a lot of new people yeah it's 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 guaranteed not it's it's just it's it's like the polar opposite of what the last movie we did is guaranteed. It, uh, it yeah. may not make you happy to watch it, although it's 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 kind of in its naivete and goofiness is kind of upbeat, but it's definitely mm-hmm. I don't think like it even comes close to being icky for even a second, not even a second, and it's it's a nudie movie. Uh, well, nudie movies could be like that, but I mean, I mean, it's it's I, I mean, it's a pretty rare thing to have no like real creepiness creeping in from any angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I I am not going to um subject us to a roughie unless I find somebody who's willing to talk about the history of that particular subgenre with us because those are genuinely 
just genuinely unpleasant just a, to watch. Yeah. Whenever I think of a ruffie, I think of the movie uh, Boy and His Dog. When they go into the movie, quote unquote, post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. movie theater to watch movies, and it's like, yeah, it's like a western, but people are getting, sh- you know, it's a western full of boobs, but people are getting shot, and there's a guy like mm-hmm. <laughs> on fire running into the woods, like, ay, ay. <laughs> so that's what I always figure a ruffie looks like. <laughs> It's 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 just really really they're they're yeah. really kind of hard to take. Yeah. Um. But we will be going. Speaking of hard to take, um, we will be going into the ovier of one Ray Dennis Steckler. To be precise, because I know this film will um give us both joy because it is bonkers. Now you see at the this immortal. point at this point I've never seen I know a lot of his movies so right now there's like five movies all jumbling around in my head what could it be Is it the incredibly well, strange gonna... creatures who stopped living and decided decided No it's to not that zombies is that it No oh. yes yes that's the one no it's not that one all of that one is also really interesting to watch no, we're talking about Rat Finka Boo Boo. The film that started out as one thing until, by Ray and Seckler's own admission, he got bored and turned it into a parody of Batman 66. Which was almost a parody of itself. <laughs> of itself, yeah. So it's a parody of a parody and features one of my favorite exchanges in any superhero movie up to this day. Remember, Boo Boo, we only have one weakness. What's that, Rat Fink? Bullets. I thought you were going to say picnic baskets. No, no. But, uh, but yeah, that's our... Uh... It's, it's just, I've seen, I saw it on the... God help me, I saw this film on the big screen. Wow. Was it a revival? At a revival house. Yes, at a revival house. Back when revival houses were really, really big things in the 80s here in New York City, Bethalia, which was probably like the king of all revival houses, which was up on 96th Street and uh, Broadway, opened a downtown version in Soho and at the downtown version in Soho I got to see a double feature of get this Rat Boo Boo and the Brainiac oh the Japanese movie no no, no the Brainiac brain is sucker, Mexican movie yes you're thinking of Goke the Body Snatcher from Hell no, no, we're talking about a truly gloriously weird um, horror film done by Alfredo Salazar, which maybe I'll throw at you because he's another one that's utterly fascinating, although he's not really an outsider movie maker. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to go and uh, get all superhero-y and uh, it's... It's a trip, and it's also very short, much like this one. Oh, good! I'm I'm ready for some so, comedy. So you have, 
you have one month. And until then, little monkey man, you must go! I'm mooning over you, my little moon dog, with a sad Our website at two true freaks.com. Two true freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Suck it to me? <laughs>